and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grollam, I'm an Aussie pastor. Welcome to our program today. We're so, so glad you're here. It's the first day of winter, Hunty. G'day, mate. He's our producer-director. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. It was cold in Sydney last night. I mean, bitter, bitter cold. Maybe I can tell a little story about my wife. Oh, yes. She's just a will-o'-whisper of a girl, you know. She's, she's right. not real big. She's from Java, from Indonesia, from Jakarta, actually. So she's an Indonesian girl. And every winter here in Australia, she suffers. And last night, she goes and she gets my minus 25-degree sleeping bag, <laughs> <laughs> which which I got for camping, man. Actually, I got it so both her and I would fit in it. So it's a great big queen one. But she goes... She gets it and she puts that on. She's got three or four layers of clothing on. She's got this minus 25 degree sleeping bag. And then she puts dunas and blankets. Man, it's like she's in Alaska <laughs> or living down the South Pole. But it is cold, isn't it? Hey, it was last night. Well, it's been cold for a week. And I reckon it's going to be cold until after this weekend. Wow. So we are suffering here in Sydney with the shivers, and I don't know what it's like for you around Australia, but if you're cold today, we're glad to have you on this program, and I hope that as we talk about the things of Jesus, uh, of the Lord, that you warm up. So we're glad you're here. We've got a good program today, yeah, Hunty. we do. We're going to talk to your boss. That's right, and yours. Oh, he's my boss too, is he? <laughs> <It's> it. <laughs> Terry Johnson, he's yep. going to tell us a little bit about the Adventist Church here in Sydney. Yep. I, I, I'm very interested in what he's got to say. And I'm going to try and ask him some, some probing questions, very you good. know, I get a chance to <laughs> put him under the magnifying yeah, glass. That's right. So we're talking to Terry Johnson. Then we've got a guy called John Carter. I think we spoke to him once before. We have. I reckon that John Carter is responsible for just about more people finding Christ within the Adventist movement mm-hmm. than perhaps any other pastor alive. Yep, I believe that. And we're going to talk about his work in Russia, man. Yep. It, you never got to go to Russia with him, did you? I did not. Which is amazing. Mm. Because you did go a few places with him, didn't you? Yeah, I was very blessed to be part of his, his live evangelistic campaigns around the world. Yeah, but you never got to go to Russia. Nope. And Russia's probably just about the most exciting thing he did. Yes. And then finally, and I've been after this interview for a while. I know that. We're going to talk to Anna Beden. Yep. She's a, a, a beautiful songwriter. Her music is just sensational. Looking forward to that. Now, we're also going to do Aussie Pastor today, honey. Yep, we are. Again, what is that? That's where you can ask any question of the Aussie Pastor, any Bible question, and he'll give you an answer. We're going to have a go. Absolutely. We're really going to have a red hot go. So you can... Uh, send us your questions yes. by texting. Yep, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us info at aussiepasta dot com. Now, I really encourage you to do that because I want to hear from you. Yes, please. So that's texting one more time, Hunty. Zero four double eight double eight zero. 851 or info at com. I reckon you're getting pretty good at that. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that woohoo was from him, not me. It's my Homer Simpson woohoo. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here today and we're giving you a great big warm welcome. Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Radio Program and I just hope above all else today that you get a little touch of Jesus. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know, Hunty, I love tennis. Yep, me too. In fact, I think when we were in America last time, you and I had a game of we tennis did. and I cleaned you up. Grudge match. 
Yeah, I think it was. And I, I think the score up. was like six zip, six zip. Yeah, I think it was Listeners, six zip my way. It was not hard, let me tell you, to run Hunty around the court. Do you watch tennis? <laughs> you want to you want to hit back there, don't you? You're not happy with that, are you? Because I, I, I triumphed in victory that oh, day. Dear, oh dear, <laughs> listeners, if he beat me in a game of tennis, I would actually retire. I'm telling you, <laughs> that would be over. Hey, do you yeah. watch tennis? Because it, a little bit. A little bit, do you? Tennis, yeah. Yeah, because you're into the news. I know that. You're watching Channel 9 news religiously every day. (laughs) Did did you pick up what's happening in the French Open with Naomi Osaka? I did. I did actually see that. Very sad. Now, I like Naomi Osaka. Yeah, I do. She's a good tennis player. She's a really good tennis player. Really good tennis player. She seems to be a gentle sort of a person. Yes. But did you see what she was doing? I did. Yeah. She was refusing to go and do the interview after the matches. Now, look, she's not good on clay. No. She's not a good tennis player on clay. Yep. So she's probably going to be defeated at some time through this tournament. But she's a multi, multi-million dollar earning tennis yeah. player. In fact, did you know that she's the fourth highest earning sportsman in the world? Wow, I did not know There's that. only Federer and the guy and the cars and I think a golfing guy in front of her. So three men in front of her and then Osaka. What about Barty? No, no, Barty's nowhere near her when wow. it comes to uh, the advertising dollar. Wow. Um and so she's she's refusing to do what she's actually refusing to do is the interview mm, after post, the tennis match, post match, which is kind of part of the game. If you're going to very important pull part. that sort of money in after you play, whether you win or lose, you've got to go and you've got to front up to the reporters. That's you've got right. to answer questions. That's right. Did you hear what she said was the reason she wasn't I, going? I did. Mental health. So tell me this, Hunty. I, I know you watch sport. You'll be looking forward to seeing. Um, the state of origin next week. You where, know it. Yeah, the Maroons are going to come out on top again. In fact, I was glad to see that uh, we've scored a game in Townsville. Uh, so it'll be two in Queensland. Two in Queensland. Going to the home of rugby league. <laughs> but I know you watch sport. Do you think, uh, on a serious note, do you think when you get a professional sportsman like that and she calls out or she cries out mental illness or mental stress, do you think we should listen to her? Because, and the reason I ask that, most of the world is not. In fact, did you see Piers Morgan? I did see Piers Morgan. Probably, would he be the biggest media? Loudest mouth. In, in England? Yeah. 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 Very powerful voice. Yes. And he just, he just, he just went at her. In fact, he said that she was a narcissistic brat. That's, that's quote for quote. That's what he called her. Is it fair? When a tennis player or a famous sportsman or someone famous cries out mental illness, is it fair that we just accept that or do you think we can question it? I think mental illness is a very, very serious issue and I think we need to take her at her word. Okay. And immediately we let her off the post-match interviews until she can recover and get the help that she needs. However... She has chosen to be in the spotlight. Sound there's a caveat here. Well, there is. She has chosen to be in the spotlight. And looking at her personality type, she's socially awkward. She doesn't like to be in the spotlight. And I think since she, since she cleaned up in 2018, she has been thrust into a very bright spotlight. And a person with her personality type, that actually will send you down into depression. Okay. So perhaps she should reconsider her career choices, but I would not want to pressure her right now. I would let her go find the help she needs. And relax. Well, because the French open, they're a pretty tough lot, the French. Yes. They actually said either you front up or we're going to throw you out of the tournament. Well, look, many people have been fined recently. 
Well, she got fined. Um, she, did, she never fronted up for the first round, $15,000 fine. That's right. They said, if you don't turn up for the second round, you'll be fined and we'll throw you out. The Williams sisters were fined just recently when they lost their doubles match and refused to talk. And she said, look, well, you don't have to throw me out. I withdraw from the French Open, yep. which was just stunning news. So uh, uh, well, Naomi, I, saw, I saw the interview Osaka's with her. gone. She's gone. The interview I saw with her, she was very subdued. She was very quiet. She yeah. looked like she was completely drained. Yeah, yeah. If, if I was taking a guess, I would say give that lady the space she needs. That's the sense I get too. Yeah. And I, I can't, you know what, we agree with each other here for a what? change. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's mental health uh, illness and stress everywhere. Yes. And I don't know whether you picked it up, but the Australian government through COVID-19 is not throwing millions. They're throwing billions. They're throwing billions at this issue. Yep. And we wish Naomi... Osaka, yep, all we the wish best. her all the best. Yeah, we do. And if you're out there and you're struggling with your mental health, well, you can go to Jesus. You should go to Jesus. You should talk to Jesus, unload with Jesus, but you should also get help yep. at Lifeline, yep. Beyond Blue, yep. any of those organisations. What I believe are God-given, God-blessed organisations here in Australia. And just to call, you can call them on the phone or you can call them, uh, you can get on the internet and, and talk to them on the internet. Uh, they'll be very helpful to you. Now, Hunty. Yes. Uh Gun violence in America. This is the last. Oh this my is it. This goodness! Is the, the last, the second news thing I wanted to talk to you about. Did you see what happened the other day again? Yes. How is how is it every single day of this calendar year in America they are dealing with this problem? Three guys turn up in a white van. This is two days ago yep. in Florida, just outside of Miami. Yep. They get out of the white van. They've got automatic. They've all got automatic assault rifles. Yep. They're armed with multiple handguns. There's a crowd of young people in front of them. And they just opened fire with these assault weapons, sprayed bullets right through them, killed two people, wounded more than 22, and then jumped after they'd done the carnage and everyone's lying on the ground, jump in the car and drive off. They said, I don't think they've caught them yet. Nor do they have a motive, I don't think. Well, if they have, we don't know what it is. That's it. And what is going on in America with their guns? Because we don't get it, eh? 1996, I think we had a yeah, we massacre did. in Port one Arthur. Of the, one of the biggest massacres in the world at the time. I think it might have been the biggest. Yes, at the time, and we gave all our guns pretty much in. Yep. Um, and and you're a security guard. Did you have to hand your guns in? Uh, we kept our license, but but yes, all the guns were handed in. And in Australia now, we are blessed because we have not had a gun massacre since Port Arthur. You know, um, we go to America. You and I, we do. We've been there a couple of times. I think we'll be there. COVID nineteen. Allowing, God willing, uh, yep. within the next 12 months, working. Yep. When we're over there, we're very careful, aren't we, when we're on the road? There's no road <laughs> – Hunty's not one for road <laughs> rage. Extremely careful. But, but we don't argue. We don't nope. give cheek. Especially uh, if the ute in front of the, the SUV in front's got a couple of shotguns crossed over the back window. Well, you see it. You do. I mean, I've seen people carrying. And when I mean carrying, walking around yep. with – Assault rifles. And, 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 and pistols. Yes. Yeah, they they carry over there, and it's just a just an amazing thing. What is the answer for America? Because I think you looked up the statistics. It is is it a hundred and twenty guns for every hundred people? Or yeah, something there's or more other? guns in America than there are people. So what's the answer? That's a difficult question because if you talk to an American, they would point blank tell you that if they were at Port Arthur when that was the massacre, as soon as one or two people had been shot. Everyone who had a gun would have pulled a gun out and killed the gunman, and that would have been the end of it. And yet we have massacre after massacre in America, and no one's pulling guns out. Very few people get saved. And that's the line the NRA, NRA gives, but you're right. 
Day so, after day, there's massacres. So what's the answer for America with their gun They crime? need to bite the bullet and do what we've done here in Australia. You know what I reckon? What's that? There is none. Okay. You know what? When we see these things happening, when we see people's mental health breaking down, not just Naomi Osaka, but right across the planet, as we said, with the Australian government spending billions, where we see gun crime in America, where it seems every single day there's a ma- and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating no, here, Hunty. It's daily. Every single day, there's a massacre in the United States. I think we've just got to look up. Yep. Because these are signs that tell us in our world that Jesus, our beloved God, our rescuer, Jesus is almost here. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. BJ Thomas. We're going to talk about him in couple of minutes time. Not, yep. not right now, nope. but in a little bit. He's got this beautiful song. I've been listening to BJ Thomas as long as I can remember. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Is he is he from our, our well he's seven, he's seventy eight, so yes. he's kind of around your age, but he's he's, <laughs> he's a decade or two older than me. But we've we've been I'm only joking. We've been listening to BJ Thomas seems almost all our life, haven't yes, we? We have. Yeah. So he's one of our generation singers. So you'll hear BJ a fair bit when on our program anyway. That's true. Here's a beautiful song and it's one of his most famous where no one stands alone. Once I stood in the night With my head bowed low In the darkness as black as could be And my heart felt alone And I cried, oh Lord, don't hide your face from me Hold my hand all the way Every hour Every day From here to the grave
welcome Terry Johnson to our program today. He's a husband, a father, a pastor, and a church administrator, Hunty. He's yes, your mate. boss. He's my boss, yes. He's your boss. <laughs> I think he might be my boss too. <laughs> welcome to the program, Terry. Thank you, Lloyd. It's good to be here. Uh, Johnson, a common Australian name, really, but you have a very uncommon background. Yes, I, I used to always tell my children that we were related to Magic Johnson because I loved uh, L.A. Lakers <laughs> basketball. But no, my family is a very mixed one. I have a father from Mauritius and a mother from Iceland. They met in 1967 in England, fell in love, got married, and I was born in France and grew up in Iceland and Mauritius and in France and in England and then moved to Canada when I was 10 after having spent five years in the Congo. Wow. How many languages do you speak? I speak three. Which are? So French, Icelandic, and English, but English is my mother tongue. French would be my second language, and Icelandic I speak at a very young, you know, zero to five age in terms of my vocabulary. However, if you were to go to Iceland, you could speak it good enough. To I could speak it well enough to be able to get around, but if you go to Iceland at the moment, there's so many immigrants that have come into Iceland over the last 15 years that English is just spoken everywhere. Okay. Um what do you consider yourself then? Are you American? Are you French? Are you Icelandic? Like, where do you, what are you? Yeah, good question. I, I, uh, it depends on which national team is playing which national team. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I, I consider myself to be Australian. So okay. I'm an Australian citizen and uh, I have an affinity because I actually made the decision on my own in my adulthood to become a citizen of Australia, whereas before, it was my parents that made the decision as to which country I belonged to. So I was a Canadian citizen before becoming uh, an Australian. Where does Terry Johnson, where does the Johnson family go if Jesus doesn't come one day when they retire? Yeah, I'll tell you what. We moved to Perth in 2007 as a family, and we fell in love with Australia from that point on. But when we really spiritually fell in love with Australia was in 2010 when we went into the outback for the first time, 2009, and we just fell in love with the red dirt, the blue skies, and the sage green of the outback. And if I ever was to retire any place, uh, it would be somewhere where I can go bush in my four-wheel drive. Ah, uh, hunty. Hunty, yes. and you have a bit of a background there. I hear an affinity together. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Hunty's got a luxury four-wheel drive, and I've got one of the old bangers. <laughs> <laughs> I love your four-wheel drive. In fact, we had a great time out at Lost City just recently. Yes, we did. We had a lovely time going out there, and a mm. uh, great trip. And look, I, I think that there's something so spiritual about being in the outback of Australia. There's no technology available to you. You have to live off your own uh, intuition and knowledge, and you normally have to work in teams. But boy, oh boy, around a fireplace with the stars at night out in the outback, there is nothing more magical than that, in my opinion. You know, I've never experienced that. I think you would enjoy it, Lloyd. I'll you be really going, would. and shortly, too. I've just got to get time off from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can negotiate something, right? <laughs> we'll bring you with us. Right I'm in, Lloyd, I'm in. <laughs> now, you, you've, you've been to all sorts of different places. What did your dad and mum actually do that took you to all these places? Yeah, so my father actually was a teacher who became a minister, and in his teaching capacity, he was actually asked to be a missionary in the Congo, and there he was responsible for publishing uh, books and, and tracts that were shared all around the Congo, and he also taught at uh, one of the seminaries that we had there. Okay, and your mum? 
My mom was uh, a housewife. She had her um, personal assistance degree and uh, types 90 words a minute. And over time, she actually just followed dad wherever he went. And it was only in 1996 when they moved to New Caledonia, where dad became the mission conference president, that mom actually became the women's ministries director. And from that time, her ministry just blossomed. And she actually ended up working for the South Pacific Division as the women's ministries director for, I think, eight years. Okay, so they still live in Australia? They still do. My father is 79, and he just retired last Monday from active ministry. Wow. Uh, he's working one day a week for us, and the rest of the time he's doing uh, volunteer work for our ADRA Blacktown Community Centre. Which is a community outreach program that pretty much helps people that are poor, is that? Yeah, well, not only that, it actually helps people who are uh, dealing with anger management issues, violence, and so we have about 15 counsellors that actually work there and support the community in learning how to deal with um, the issues that they have in a better, more holistic manner. We've got to be very careful at Blacktown. They, they only talk about things that are relevant to them during the course of the week, and then we can invite them to come to a Sabbath afternoon program, which my father is responsible for. For, and it's called the Ubuntu Church, yep. and the Ubuntu Church is there for those who want to actually dig deeper as to what is the core reason that they have anger and they have violence and they have all of these issues, all of these issues that are affecting their lives. Because there are fourteen different ways in which we can help them from psychology, but those fourteen ways don't actually get to the nub of the problem, which is sin. Yeah, And so quite a number of them have been baptized over the last few years because of the Bible studies that have occurred on Saturday afternoon, yeah. but they come to the center uh, with the issues, and quite often they are sent there by the court. Yeah. So Blacktown, the Shire, um, all of the council knows about Adra Blacktown and continually connects with us and supports us financially to make sure that we can do the best we can. Actually, that Blacktown Drop-In Centre is a very, very, very valuable ministry, not just for the community, but even for some of us who follow the Lord, who are pastors even. I remember when I went through a divorce many years ago, I took both my children to counsellors there in Blacktown uh, Adra Drop-In Centre, and they were very... They very much helped me and my own family going through a very difficult time. What is it that fires Terry Johnson? I had just met my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, yep. and she was excited because she thought, you beauty, the Lord has sent me to a man who's going to become a doctor, fantastic, my life is, is fulfilled, and then I changed over and became a pastor, and she was crushed, you know, she wasn't sure what was going to happen Has at she the time. recovered from that yet? She has recovered, we've been together for 32 years, you know, 29 of those are married, and, and yeah, it's it's amazing to see how the Lord actually leads and gives passion, and I, I went from um, thinking about taking care of people from a health point of view to taking care of broken people from a psychological, mental, spiritual point of view. And I've never looked back, Lloyd. It's been fantastic. Um, Of all the different types of ministry that you've enjoyed and served the Lord with, what ministry do you enjoy the most? You know, it's uh, while I loved youth ministry and while I loved local church ministry, the eight years that I've been a conference president, I've really felt like it's been impactful, that a difference has been made, that decisions that we made are going to have long-standing impact instead of just for that time and context. Uh, So while 
the greatest thing about being a local church pastor was the day-to-day interactions. You know, I did baby dedications for a family, weddings for the same family, funerals for the same family, baptisms for the same family. You, you don't get that when you're working as a youth director or as a conference president. Yeah. But from a conference president point of view, you know that the work that you're doing actually has an impact on a far greater uh, spectrum of people than when you were a local church pastor. So being a president, being a leader in the Adventist church, say here in Sydney, you really can make a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we run three different companies, uh, a company of aged care, a company of school, and a church company. And the church company has 10,000 people, 107 churches. The school company has got uh, 3,300 students, 600 teachers. It has an impact. You know, we estimate that the impact that we have is a small group of people is well over 50,000 people with grandparents and parents and family members and the decisions we make affect all of them you know yeah. when uh, when you're making uh, decisions about school it affects every child it affects the teachers it affects the way that we do evangelism and like tomorrow morning I'll be meeting with a group of people where we'll be talking about missional impact at the local schools how do we actually interact between church and school and evangelism in a in a way that's going to impact our school our schools have about 30 to 35 percent of its population that are christian the rest are not incredible it's a huge mission field lloyd and it's it's fantastic to see what our chaplains are doing in that space yeah it it is I've, i've always thought that about our schools arguably the best mission field we have Two more questions yeah. and I'll finish. What would you say to a young person contemplating a lifetime in the calling of ministry? That's an excellent question. I think the, the good thing that they have to consider is, is their calling real? Yeah. Right? Because we are all called. God calls each one of us to ministry and he gives us the spiritual gifts that we need to be able to actually bless broken people and help heal them. That's what spiritual gifts are all about. It's not about serving the church. It's about serving the community yeah. and yeah. bringing the community along. So uh, a young person has to be able to differentiate between the call that God has placed in their life and the call to actually be a paid man member of the clergy with all of the responsibility that comes along with it. And what I would say to a young person is if you're not sure, then you should consider going to the Adventist Seminary at Avondale and spending a couple of years determining whether or not God's calling is clear because it'll become very clear with elders and other people who will speak directly into your life and tell you yes we think that God has actually called you and that will come across in the confidence you have in the way in which you do Bible studies and the way in which you bring people to Jesus because at the end of the day Lloyd it really is about who have you brought to Christ yeah. and how have you actually been able to evangelize on behalf of the kingdom mm-hmm. and that's really the biggest difference between a lay member and a paid member of the clergy yep and I ask this because I actually have two daughters and I want to encourage our young ladies out there should young women consider being pastors see that's a loaded question and a wonderful question at the same time so I'm going to give you uh, my answer which is yes and I'll tell you why I think that Uh, In my 29 years of being a minister, it has become very clear to me that there are certain things that as a male pastor I can do extremely well. And then there's many things that I need to have a female associate pastor by my side doing the work that I cannot do. How do you as a male minister care for a woman who has experienced trauma in her life? You have to be very careful about her vulnerability and on and on the list goes. And and I think that we have always had women who have been strong 
ministers of the kingdom throughout history. And the way I look at it is is twofold, and it's both with Paul. Paul says there's neither male nor female, and then secondly, he does not give any gender specifications for the spiritual gifts that he gives. The spiritual gifts are given as are needed by the church in order to meet the need of the community on behalf of God's kingdom. So from my point of view, uh, the more women that we can have in ministry, the better. The challenge is that we have communities that struggle with Mm. women in ministry, and we have to walk with them. We have to work with them. We have to show them Romans 16, where Paul actually writes to the churches in Rome, and in Romans 16, he lists seven house churches that are led by women. Mm. So clearly he didn't have too much of a problem mm. with women being in charge of church and leading out. And it's only in the last 30 or 40 years that it's really been a big problem uh, in in certain churches. Before 1960, there were many um, women who were ministers in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Well, actually, to be honest, my own experience um, at, at Warunga, the best years we ever had, uh, when the church filled up to the brim, was when we had a very powerful and a very talented and a very gifted pastor on our team who was a woman. Lloyd, I'll tell you that my best years of ministry were at the Colleen Church where we had an average of 28 people being baptized on a yearly yeah. basis. And at that church was a, a lady by the name of Jane Ziesmer who had gone to the Lutheran Seminary before she had become a Seventh-day Adventist. And she taught me everything that a minister needs to know in how to bring somebody from no knowledge of Jesus into knowledge of Jesus and a disciple of Christ. And she is still, to this day, one of the best teachers I've ever had and worked by my side for four years. And I will never uh, forget the impact that she actually had. Last question. I know I said the other one was, but... I'm good at adding a few questions here and there. (laughs) But I've got to ask, I've got to say this one, because there's people listening to this all over Sydney and Australia. People out there in the community, are they welcome in one of the Seventh-day Adventist churches that you are the leader of here in Sydney? Absolutely. Doesn't matter what what your gender, what your skin color, what your culture is, you will always be welcome in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. We want you to come and experience fellowship. We want you to come and ask questions. We want to have conversations. We want to talk about what is real for you. Now, you'll, we don't want to become relevant because relevance means that you actually try and become like the community around you. But we want to be present. In other words, we want to be in your lives. We want to be there when you're having your highs, your lows. We want to be able to have the discussion and say, well, where is God in this? And how do we actually find God's will and purpose for your life in the difficulties of trying to live in modern Sydney? So the doors are open. Come along and have a look. Come along, have a look. Well, Terry Johnson. Thank you very much for your time. God bless you and your ministry as you lead the church here in Sydney. We look forward to talking to you again sometime in the near future. I look forward to it, Lloyd, and hello to all of your listeners. Thank you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I'm going to get him on again, Hunty. Yep. i got more questions. I bet. Yeah. Lots of questions I want to ask him. He's a pretty good operator. He's smart. He's articulate. He's mm. a good leader, isn't he? Very good. And uh, he comes to our church to preach a few times, and he can preach as well. He can. He's good and preacher. he's not listening right now, so I can say this. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. He's, <laughs> he's hung up, mate. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's headed back to work as soon as he can get back. Um, but he's a good leader, and we've enjoyed working with Terry uh, here in the Greater Sydney Conference. Um, it's been a, a privilege, really. Uh, this next song. 
Randy Travis. You like Randy Travis? Yeah, I do. You know that he had a, I think it was an aneurysm or a stroke I did a not. few years ago? Yeah, Very he did. Sad. Well, he couldn't sing for years, which was amazing. Wow. But he's had a lot of good help from hospitals and specialists. And just really a few weeks ago, he started singing again. And it's still Randy Travis, and it's beautiful stuff. And this song, I like this song. It's it's one of those really, really good songs, Here I Am to Worship. We actually sing this at church. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So let's listen to Randy Travis.
He has a really unique voice. Yeah, it's beautiful. First time I come across Randy Travis in 1989, and I know it's a wonder and probably proof that God exists, but I did get a scholarship to go to a college university in the United States of America. So I'm 24 or 5 years of age, and I got this scholarship to go to Pacific Union College, actually, which is, you've been to San Francisco? Yep. Up on the, have you been to PUC? Yes. It's up in the mountains, uh, Napa Valley yep. area. I had the most amazing year when I was in the United States, and that's where I first heard Andy Travis. Because when you go over there, they have entire radio stations dedicated to country music. And I'm a country boy, and yep. I like country music. Yep. And I started to listen to Randy Travis, and he has a really, really unique voice. And I'm glad that he's recovering and I'm glad that he's starting to sing again because that is a blessing. Mm, very talented. You know, when I do, because I'm, I'm just a local church pastor. That's actually what I do yep. for a living. This radio program is, is out of the ordinary for us. I'm a local church pastor of New Hope Adventist Church in Northwest Sydney. And so what I do is I do, do Bible studies with people and I get underneath their tables and we look at each other across the table we've got our bibles open and we study the bible and it's probably one of the most exciting and privileged works i do is to to talk to people about jesus and as we do the bible studies they learn more about him learn how to talk to him to have a relationship with him often they'll give their hearts to him and they'll end up getting baptized but one of the things i like about the bible studies hunty is the interaction Yep. When I can look across the table and they look back at me and they'll throw these questions at me and sometimes yep. I'll throw them at them. And I can't say that I've ever done an entire series of Bible studies with someone and not had questions thrown at me that I couldn't answer. Really? Yeah, so you've got to go away, you've got to study it up, and it's quite a thrilling thing to do, to study it up and then come back with the answer from the Bible because I think that's important yep. the next week. Well, I kind of want to do this here on this radio program. And so I'm kind of pushing, 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 pushing. We want you, that's right, we do. our listeners, yep. to write in any question you have. Now, well, I think we've got a few already. You do a couple. Yep. Yeah, but we want more because I want to kind of really make this segment Useful. interesting, mm. relevant, vital, yep. and inspiring. But we need you to get on the phone and either text or get on your computer and email us some questions. That's it. The harder the better. Yes. So I'm going to give you this phone number again, and I'm going to read it out because maybe maybe Hunty's reading it out too fast and doesn't have the rhythm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> he, he accused me of not having rhythm with the did. phone number, but I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> If you would like to text the go. Aussie pastor a question, actually, you can text Hunty one too if you like. I'd love that. <laughs> text us a question, but if you want Hunty to Where's answer the it. <laughs> yeah, if you want Hunty to answer it, just put Hunty. But if you want to text us, 04-88-88-0851. It's a pretty long number, actually, isn't it? It's a regular cell phone number, mobile phone would, number. Would you remember it if you were listening? Not, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. We know Hunty won't remember it. We know the Aussie pass. I won't remember it because we still don't know it off by heart, do That's we, Hunty? We don't. We've got to write it down. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. It's getting easier to spit out though, isn't it? That's right. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Is that good rhythm? That's pretty good. If you want to email us, well, this one we would remember, info at aussiepasta.com. That yeah. is really easy. Easy. Info at aussiepasta.com. Just 
Give us any question. We want to have a go. We want to interact with you. Hey, look, if you haven't got a question, can they just uh, email or text us? G'day. Yeah, why not? I'd like we'll that We'll give you too. a shout-out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a Let lot. Let us know where you're listening from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. This next song, uh, I don't know this singer. How do you say her name, Hunty? Uh, C- CC. CC. CC Winans. It's Winans, is it? I think so. You've known her for a long time? Since the 80s. Ah, oh, so she's an older singer like Travis. Maybe maybe I know her parents. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to BB and CC since the 80s. Oh, okay. So, so Sarah, these are Adventists. This girl's Adventist. She's a Christian. Oh, you don't oh, know? They, they are Christians for certain. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful just, music. Didn't you just say you knew her parents? No, I was just saying maybe I was listening to her parents. I've got to be careful because Hunty is a sound, I think by trade you're a sound engineer, is that right? I, I am an audiosaurus. Yes, uh, a dinosaur <laughs> audiosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's actually met many famous people in his uh, walk and his life and that's why I've got to be careful when he says, oh, I know this person, I know that. Well, this song's a beauty. <laughs> why Me by CC Winans. Thank you, Hunty. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown?
welcome John Carter to our program today. He's a pastor, an evangelist, a visionary and, and a pioneer. Welcome, John Carter. Thank you. Thank you so much, Floyd Grolleman. <laughs> I'd like to um, talk to you about something that's always interested me about your ministry, but before we get into it, how long have you been preaching? Uh, for a long time. I was going to say going back to the days of Abraham, but it's not that far back. <laughs> I have, uh, with my wife, we've been engaged in uh, preaching and teaching for 59 years. Okay, that's longer than I've been alive. Well, goodness me. <laughs> Look, you are a preacher primarily. Tell us about your own conversion to Jesus, because a preacher must be converted to Jesus. Tell us about that. Well, I was a boy, uh, like most boys, you know, rebellious and uh no interest at all in uh, religion, which I considered to be a complete hoax. Not only a hoax, but terribly boring. But I went to uh, a Christian college, and I heard some outstanding uh, uh, teachings. Uh, I remember one man gave a talk on the God-filled blank. Mm. He said, every person's got this emptiness inside him. And I said, hey, he's talking to me. How did he know I got into this meeting? Mm. Um, so I, I found Christ at Avondale College, and it was a it was a tremendous turnaround. It was as though somebody turned on the light. I'd been in darkness. Somebody turned on the light and gave me a purpose in living. I everything came into focus, mm-hmm. and I discovered the great truth that there's a God in heaven, and this, that this tremendous God is personally interested in the individual and. Uh, interested in you and interested in me. Is that what lit the fire in your heart? Yes, absolutely. That fire was lit more than 60 years ago, and the fire is still burning. The fire hasn't gone out. How many people through the years do you think you've preached, Do you have you spoken to? I haven't been uh, keeping tabs. I haven't been trying to you know, find out how many have been coming yeah. to the meetings. Yeah. But I guess in Russia and Ukraine, several million yeah. Um, other places, uh, if you put it together, it'd be cumulatively a number of millions. Now, these programs, these campaigns, as you call them, that you run, these are big Billy Graham style programs. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm a great, I'm a great fan of Billy Graham. Always have been. Billy Graham's organist became my organist. Yes. And told me the tremendous stories of the of the outreach of Dr. Billy Graham, a great visionary, great speaker. Uh, I think a, a really great person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have run campaigns. I would not like to compare them to the Billy Graham campaigns, but mm. we've run campaigns that have had hundreds of thousands of people in attendance. Mm. But possibly in Russia, we were told that we had the largest crowds of uh, atheists and cynics and unbelievers attending religious meetings, Christian meetings, than anywhere in the world. So when you got there, communism is, I think I picked it up there, communism was still in vogue. They were still the government. It was the Soviet yes, Union. Gorbachev was still on the throne, but communism was in its waning days. The <laughs> people had discovered that uh, atheism and communism were simply fraudulent, mm. and people were very, very hungry for another viewpoint, another perspective on truth and reality. How many times have you been to Russia? Been to Russia and Ukraine 50 times, wow. 49 times to run evangelistic campaigns. So when you go to Russia, 
do you take a team with you or do you just go with, is it just you and your wife? How does that work? No, probably for the big campaigns such as in the city of Gorky, uh, St. Petersburg and other great centres across Russia, we would take a team of, of uh, volunteers. Yep. And we would take uh, probably, uh, plus the Carter Report team of about a dozen people. And so we'd take a total team of about 50, 60 people and uh, then we would work with the Russian pastors, and if we went into a place like Nizhny Novgorod or the old city of Gorky, which was a major center in Russia, uh, we would have, say, 50, 60, 70, maybe even 100 Russian pastors who joined forces with us. Did it change their lives? I mean, your team members who went there to share Christ with you, did you see it as they'd watch you preach and they'd watch thousands giving their hearts to Jesus? Did it change their lives too? Everybody who came... Uh, experienced uh, a massive change in his life. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pretty tough American people uh, standing up the front when I was making altar calls and inviting communists and atheists to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. I've seen people from the media world standing mm-hmm. up the front behind me, mm-hmm. uh, weeping, saying we've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And so we actually saw uh, demonstrably the, the great power of God revealed. And I know this is probably a difficult question to ask, but how many people would turn up to a program? Uh, in 1992, for instance, in the old city of Gorky, which is now called Nizhny Novgorod, mm-hmm. we advertised on uh, two or three of the local television stations. Um Though we, we do, we bombard the airways, so the, mm-hmm. the ads would come on every 30 minutes. Okay. And so the Russians had never seen anything like this before. Uh, 30 second ads coming on, uh, prime time all through the day, all through the night. And so when the opening day came, when I went to go down to the auditorium, I couldn't even get near the auditorium. Wow. The, the crowds were so great. So you'd be preaching so when more the than... Russian military heard that I, I, I couldn't get into the auditorium. They sent a personnel carrier, and the Russian army took me to the meetings. <laughs> it's incredible, really. And they paved the way through the crowds. So and you... the crowds had already by then broken down the doors and destroyed the windows of the Palace of, wow. of Sport. Wow. Now, the Palace of Sport was the biggest hall in this in Novgorod. Yep. It wasn't that big. Yeah. It yeah. seated 6,000 people. Yeah, that's but reasonable. But you could cram about 9,000 people in. Yes. And so we, we just ran multiple sessions, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock. And then we repeated the next day. And that's when the government got involved and the KGB uh, said, look, we want to help you. We've never seen anything like this. We're glad you're here. Mm. Um, they said, Slava Bogu, praise God. And they sent down their young men. Scores of young men came down and worked for us. In these big campaign programs you're running, what would you preach about, Pastor? Uh, I would open on biblical archaeology. Okay. And so uh, we would have giant pictures. We'd build uh, giant screens. We would set up a a PA system such as you would set up for normally for a rock concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would run these uh, big projectors and I would lecture on Bible prophecy and archaeology. 
and the first program would start on Egypt mm. uh, with excellent advertising from the pyramids and King Tut's tomb and all of this stuff that was shot on location. How did the Russian so people... We would, open, we would open largely with a crazy secular program. Our programs are not like the average religious program. Okay. We're trying to appeal to the secular people and we're trying to scratch where people are itching. Yeah, yeah. So how did they react when they'd hear this probably for the first time in their lives? Uh, I would speak to, say, 10,000 people, say, at a session at 6 o'clock. They would be glum, insolent, uh, suspicious. Uh, the people would have their heads down. But as the meetings went on, their heads would come up and they would get smiles on their faces and they would sit riveted for 90 minutes. Did you find the average Russian, when you went to Russia, know much about Jesus, or were you preaching to basically an, an agnostic, even atheist people? Uh, atheistic audience, but very, very hungry. Yeah. Uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. People who had a, a tremendous soul hunger and who felt that they had been deceived by their government for 70 years. Did, did you give them Russian Bibles? Yes, we gave out in the first campaign about a quarter of a million Russian Bibles. What was the aim of your meetings? What were you trying to do? You're in Russia, you've got your translator, you've got your television advertising, you've got your huge amphitheatre, you've got your team, 150 or more, you've got the KGB helping you. What was the aim of your program? What were you trying to the do for Russia? The aim was to lead people to a knowledge of God and thus to give them peace and hope and eternal security. Now, you can't stay there forever, so you've preached... No, the first campaign we ran every night Yeah. Uh, for six weeks. What happens after you leave? Well, we, we started, we had big baptisms, and we started up churches, and we put pastors in charge of those churches. You would have <coughs> launched, you would have... Um, birthed through the help of God and the Holy Spirit, well, through their leading, you would have birthed many churches in Russia then, I'm imagining. Uh, by the grace of God. And we also built church buildings. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you didn't just form the churches, you built the church. How did you do that? Did you raise the money back? We just raised the money. And then after each campaign, we, we would go back six months later. Okay. And hold follow-up meetings. Uh, it, it was It made such an impression upon the the old communists, that they sent a television crew and yeah. they televised our first big evangelistic campaign in the Soviet, in the ex-Soviet Union and broadcast it from coast to coast. Pastor, do you go back to Russia now? I was back in... No, I haven't been there because of COVID for a while. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we haven't been able to travel for a year and a half. But I was back in Russia a couple of years ago and ran a small campaign, mm. not a big campaign because... Russia's a very different situation. Yeah. And you don't have religious liberty like you used to. Yeah. yeah. But when I went back a couple of years ago, the Kremlin gave me permission to speak on Russian television. Yeah. And spoke, so I spoke on Russian television every night for a couple of weeks. Do you think you'll ever go back to Russia and preach? Well, you know, we don't know what the future holds. Yeah. But Russia holds a huge place in my heart. Yeah. And uh, I would go back to Russia tomorrow if I could. 
Do you think these big campaigns, these big evangelism programs where you go into a city and thousands of people turn up, do you think they are dead or is there still room and do they still play a part in the growing of the kingdom of God? I still believe that the day is going to come when one of the most forceful methods of reaching the world is going to be through great mass meetings. Yep. Uh, we went to India a number of years ago, not that long ago, and the people who sponsored us there, I mean, they didn't pay for it, but the people who uh, were on the ground, they openly laughed at us and they said, nobody's going to come. So we hired a, the cricket field. Mm. And, and they were uh, openly, I mean, it was quite amazing. Mm. Uh, they were Christians and they said, well, of course, it, it's not going to happen. Now, when we opened there, uh, we opened with an audience of Hindus and Muslims. We didn't open with a huge audience out of doors. Mm. We had 15,000. Mm, that's pretty big. But the next night it was 20,000. Mm. And the next night it was 25,000. Mm. Then it was 30,000, 35,000, 40,000. And soon the crowd was so big, I could not see the extent of the crowd. Mm. And uh, these people, after a couple of weeks, were praising the God of heaven, Hindus and Muslims. Mm, mm, mm. Um, we actually saw the, the crowd baptized with the Holy Spirit. Mm. I've never seen this before. Yeah, wow. I was having a prayer at the close of the meeting, inviting people to come forward, mm. and probably say 10,000 people, Hindus and Muslims, had come forward. Mm. And when I tell these stories, incidentally, Pastor Lloyd, mm. In the Western world, they look at me <laughs> with great cynicism mm -hmm. because you can't be hard on them, but they're judging according to their own experience. That's right. And their own experience is dreadfully limited. Mm -hmm. Their experience probably is, hasn't gone further than a little church of 50 members or their experience may be a church administrator who looks over a little desk and thinks that's the world. So uh, I, I was making this altar call, and as I was praying, the people up the back, I mean half a mile from me, mm -hmm. Hindus and Muslims, spontaneously broke out in prayer, mm -hmm. raising their hands and praying to Christ. Mm -hmm. This is what the Indian Christians told me later. I wondered what was happening. I, I actually now, I've been out in farms like uh, parks and so forth in Australia where they grow wheat. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the wind blow through the wheat, ripples yeah. through the wheat. Yeah. Well, I saw the wind blowing through the crowd. Yeah. As the people caught up with the Spirit of God, it was like a wave growing through the wheat. And it moved around and back and forth, and then it came right down the front. Yeah. And there were tens of thousands of Hindus and Muslims raising their hands and, and praising the name of Jesus. I believe that the greatest days for the preaching of the gospel are still to come. Yeah. And I believe that one day something is going to happen to the Christian church where the Christian church is going to be so cast out into a situation of desperation that God will probably do things even with them that they could not believe would be possible otherwise. Mm.
today. I want to thank you, uh, Pastor John Carter, for coming and joining us. My pleasure, Pastor Lloyd. Thank you. I wish you God's health, and, and may there be more years yet of you preaching and teaching and yeah, bringing... Yeah, praise up. God. Yep. And thank you for what you and Andrew are doing. You're doing great work. I'm proud of you both. Thank you very much. God bless, mate. God bless you, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. He always hangs up pretty abruptly, doesn't he? <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no mucking around with John Carter. That's it. Quick. Man, he is one of the most inspiring people I've ever, Ooh, yeah. ever had anything to do with. I'll give you a little, uh, a little, uh, memory here of mine that you might or might not know, Hunty. I invited John Carter to my church when I was the pastor at Warunga many years ago. Yep. It would have been, uh, 16, 17 years ago. Yep. And he gets up the front and he preaches one of these inspiring services. You know, even as I'm listening to him there and he's talking about India and the the wheat and the Holy Spirit. What do you... Great, great descriptive language. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And he can preach and he's got the yeah. Holy Spirit moving in him. And it's true, you, you know... Hundreds and thousands of people come out to listen to him. So I'm listening to him, you know, with wide eyes and my ears wide open as he's in my church at Warunga there preaching, preaching the house down, hunty. Yep. And as I'm listening to him, I thought, you know what? If John Carter can do media ministry, so will Lloyd Groleman. And it was actually that John. It was. It was listening to John Carter. Wow. That lit a fire inside of me. Wow. So I'll always be eternally grateful to John Carter, and he still inspires me. And you know what? As I was just listening to him then talk about India, we have to get him back to tell us about that Indian outreach. Oh, yeah, I know some more facts about that. You need to have him back. Yeah, unbelievable. It's a, it's a ripper story. Absolutely unbelievable. And, and, you know, when everybody else is saying, including us to an extent, that these big live programs are dead, he's saying, no, they aren't. And, and you were telling me before we did the interview with him that um, – you go back to the Philippines now and again, where he ran a big program over there. Yeah, early eighties. And what happens yep. when you go back? Look, I'm I was amazed to see churches full of people that came to to knowledge of Jesus Christ through his public campaigns. Even the officers of the church that I went into to visit with people, they were stacked full of people who are now followers of Jesus solely because they came. To Pastor John Carter's mission. It's why I think I say, uh, unambiguously really, that I think that alive today, in our Adventist movement, now I recognise we've got our Billy Grahams and some of the great evangelists outside Adventism, but still within the folds of Protestantism, and we praise God for them, amen? Of course. But I think in our movement, alive today, yep. no one has won more people to Jesus than John Carter. I'd agree with that. And the Holy Spirit is strong in his ministry. He's a very inspiring man. Hey, changing topics. Yes. Let's go back to BJ Thomas. Okay. Something really sad this week. Yeah. Indeed. At 78 years of age, BJ Thomas died. Yeah, and legend is gone. Do you know his story? No. BJ Thomas born into a Christian family, brought up, from what I can tell, in a really good Christian family, but did what a lot of us do as we get older, into our teens and youth, he left Jesus Christ. He's always been a really, really good singer, and so he leaves the Lord while he's singing and gaining fame. He's actually crossover singer. Do you know what I mean by that, yep, Hunty? Yep, yep. He sings contemporary. He sings secular and yep. religious. Yep. Well, I know him for his religious music, but I know his secular music pretty well, uh, well as well. Um, 
So he leaves the Lord. He gets into drugs and smoking and living the wildlife as many of these famous stars, singing stars do. But he has a conversion to Jesus. And by the 80s, he's back with the Lord. Yep, He's singing more religious than he is secular. But he was into drugs and smoking. He mm. gave smoking up. I actually heard the interview where he said, this is a while ago now, but he said, I gave up smoking in the 80s and I'm so glad I did because I don't think I've done too much damage to my lungs I'm going to live a long life. Yep. Well, I suppose 78 is a pretty a long life. In fact, Hunty, if you and I don't keep our exercise <laughs> up, yeah. 78 might be a pretty long innings for us too. True. But we are exercising. We're out there, bro. We're, we're having a we're go. Yep. In fact, after this program today, 5.30, Tuesday afternoon, I go home, get on my bike, turn the light on. It's pretty hard riding at night. In the cold. It is. Very cold. I've got to get some gloves. And I go for a two or three hour ride. And that's the truth, Hunty. I'd love to be able to join you, but I have to... I have to package this up for the replays. Well, listeners, Hunty's been not... He won't tell you this, but he's actually not been too well either. I probably sound a bit night nasally. See how we're wandering off the path here? Back to BJ. Are you allowed to do that? We are. Wander on radio? Well, it's your radio program, so... Do people wander on other radio programs? We're allowed to. Okay, well, we do. Maybe that's what makes us... Maybe it shouldn't be the Aussie (laughs) path, it should be the wandering wandering pastor. So he comes back to the Lord, he gives up smoking and his drugs, but you know what? He got lung cancer three or four months ago. Wow. And just a few days ago he died of lung cancer. But I think we can take courage and hope and be um, inspired inspired by the fact that he did know Jesus. He claimed Jesus as his Lord. He was a believer. He's covered by the blood of Jesus and now he sleeps Mm. until Jesus comes. And this next song is a B.J. Thomas song. Song, thank you. Thank you, my Lord, for a beautiful day. Thank you, my Lord, I'm so happy to say. Thank you, my Lord, for the flowers that grow. There would be nothing I know. Thank you, my Lord, for the sun in the sky. Thank you, my Lord, I'm so grateful that I thank you, my Lord, for the rivers that flow. There would be nothing I know without you.
As long as I have you here beside me I want to welcome Anna Beden to our program today, a uh, school teacher, a singer, newly married. Welcome, Anna. <laughs> oh, thanks, Floyd, for having me. So stoked to be here. Now, when I say you're newly married, that's correct, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, if you call end of 2019 new, then yes. <laughs> uh, not, not really. You've been married, what, <laughs> almost two years now? Yeah, I guess like a year and a half, yeah. Yeah, well, time flies, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely in lockdown as well. <laughs> I think you're the first person I've interviewed where I can truly say I've known you all your life. You don't even know that, but I have because I, I was a pastor in the church when you pretty much came into the world. Um, wow. <laughs> tell us a bit about your wonderful family and where you grew up in paradise. Oh, beautiful. Well, yeah, I grew up on the Sunshine Coast in, um, yeah, like on this 27-acre kind of mini farm thing. Um, with lots of siblings and lots of people uh, everywhere. There was like five houses, so like all my cousins moved in at some stage they lived there and, yeah, lots of soccer games in the backyard and just a really beautiful, um, very communal environment. Um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, an awesome upbringing, hey. So you being a musician, was it your mum who was the one who first mm. influenced you into that? Well, maybe. I mean, she was the one that dragged me up at like the age of six just to sing the song service and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And we did, I can remember doing like items when I was really young um, with both my sisters and my mum. But I remember I, my first special item I did by myself that I actually wrote was when I was 13. So I suppose that was fairly young to be cracking into it. Yeah. Um, well, what what yeah. kind of fired you to write music at 13? Yeah, well, so I was asked to do a special item at our youth group called, like, 24-7. Yeah. And I just had this crazy idea, like, why don't I just try and write it? <laughs> and being very ambitious and um, very optimistic, I thought, you know, this could be great. So <laughs> so I did just write it, and I ended up singing it. And, yeah, one or two people were like, wow, that was really good, Anna. Like, um, I mean, it was very basic and simple, but I think it was just the start of, like, well, I can just do this and I was, I'm, I don't know I'm quite a creative soul so I think I kind of liked being able to share a message that was on my heart in a creative way so yeah it was kind of became like a really cool outlet and so I kind of challenged myself to whenever I was asked to do an item I, I was like I'm going to try and write it because I think the time pressure really helps as well like I don't yeah if I have a goal and then like it's, I have to do it on Saturday then I'll get it done so, so you'd write yeah. the music and the lyric uh, the lyrics and the music yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I had like, um, piano lessons, um, like a little bit on and off when I was younger. And I remember being taught like notes. If anyone knows music out there, like, yeah. you know, the black notes you have to follow. And I, I just felt like it was so long and laborious. And then one, I switched to a new teacher and she taught me, um, how to make a chord from all the notes. And yeah. like by the next week, I was playing like 15 of my favorite worship songs. Cause I was like, Oh my goodness, once you know the chord, like, then you can actually sing songs. I don't know. So it honestly opened my eyes. So learning chords was like the gateway. Where, like, where does the music? Wow. I've often wondered this because I write, so I get where the words come from. Yeah. But where does yeah. the where does the music come from? Because every time I, I know this, I know you're going to laugh at this, but I tried to write music, <laughs> but all I ended up was singing the tunes of songs I already knew. <laughs> does that make yeah. sense? Where does the music? Yeah, yeah. Where does it actually come from? Oh. 
I mean, I can't. I kind of wish I could tell you, Lloyd, but I think, I think it's it's just somewhere inside you. I don't even know. Like, I've never really thought that hard about it. I think. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, like my musical journey has kind of changed a little bit in the last year or two because I actually started um, getting a little bit of coaching from a guy that really, like, he's a really good songwriter. And so yeah. he's actually told me about, like, chord structures. And there's actually chords, you know, that are kind of made for other chords. Um, okay. And he's actually, yeah, so there's actually, like, um, yeah, common chord patterns. And, like, if you change this to a flat, then it becomes, like, a jazz kind of vibe. So he's actually teaching me a bit of the theory. But kind of, to, to be honest, before this year when I've, this year or two that I started actually kind of understanding a bit of the music theory. Yeah. I think it's just kind of come from just sitting at the piano, mucking around with the notes, not really knowing what I'm doing, and then if it sounds beautiful, I just write and sing and play to so, that. Sounds to me like it's probably coming from your heart. <laughs> yeah, I think so, definitely. I, I hope as you get to know the, the theory of it that you never never lose that, because I think when I'm listening to you, yeah. your music, I sense that, that it's coming from somewhere deep mm. in your heart, from your own experience. Tell me about mm. your experience with Jesus. Do you remember, You, you obviously mm. you grew up in a really good Christian home, but do you remember when you mm. gave your heart to Jesus? Yeah, definitely. I think there was probably two pivotal moments. Um so one, when I was 15, I actually chose to get baptized and it just kind of, I think, oh man, oh, there's so much to do. So I'll try and keep this the thing. Yep. I traveled to Nepal yep. on a mission trip. It was my first time overseas. I sold vegetables in the gardens to get myself there. Um, and I ended up being over there and I just saw the faith, the immense faith of the kids over there in Nepal. So I went to a church. Um, and there was literally like 12 year olds preaching. Yeah. Um, and there was a group of kids that would travel, um, an hour and a half every afternoon to preach to a family that couldn't come to church. And like the eight year old, I was walking with the eight year old. I'm like, Oh, are you preaching today? He's like, yep. And I was like, what are you going to preach about? And he says, you know, whatever God tells me on the way. And I'm like, what is this? Like, yeah. so I honestly feel like the faith of these Nepalese kids just honestly inspired me so much and kind of it was the first time I personally connected with the Bible and and you know read I read Proverbs that trip and I'd never really like read personally oh, cool. for my own I just I just listened you know to yep. dad for worships and stuff like that um and then when I was 18 I kind of like ebbed and flowed from 15 to 18 but then when I was 18 um I cha- I went in a challenge with my friend um to meet at Avondale College Church every morning because yes. we were studying at college yeah um, and we just um, met every morning at 6 a.m. to to study our Bibles because we'd kind of both lost our way in personal devotions. Yeah. Um, and what time I did you like say you met? <laughs> 6 a.m. Wow, that's something for young students, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. I mean, I've always been kind of a morning person, so yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I remember at the start only only going out there because like I felt bad wait, waiting like making them wait for me in the cold yeah. but then I started to go out of an actual desire and a love for God and to be honest that that habit like just kept going for like several years um yeah and I just I feel like during that devotional time that I've established in the morning like connecting with God and I write in yeah. a prayer journal it just honestly re-strengthens me like every day so yeah that's kind of my journey and i feel like that daily devotional that i established was just honestly the best thing well i can sense that in your music as i said i think that's why i like it's coming from deep in the heart if i was to ask Mm. you about your music do you have a style yeah um i think it's kind of like soul 
Yep. Soul Folky, I think. Um, I like yeah, that. I, mean, it's hard I agree to, with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I think some of my fun, more fun songs are kind of like, feel like kind of an islander vibe. Yep. Um, yeah, almost, I wrote one in the island. Almost so, reggae, yeah. that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know the song. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I, I'm a bit of a fan, so I can say yeah. that. Um, oh, you, thank you, Lloyd. That's all right. Um, I don't say that about much music either, but do, do you, when I say don't say that about much music, I, I love some, there's some beautiful Christian music out there, but I don't know many musicians like I, like I've, I've known you, you know, through the years. Do you, do you have an influence? Are there things that influence you when you write music? I mean, I get inspired all the time. Like it could just be a little like note in a sermon, like on the screen and I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. Or it could be like a conversation with a friend and I'd, just feel really inspired to write about that concept. Like, well, some of my more recent stuff I haven't actually released yet, but I'm working towards, um, yeah, getting those recorded soon. But some of them are about, you know, just some really common things on my heart. That, um, so one of them is about, like, divorce. Sometimes I don't even intend to write. I just, like, sit down at my guitar or sit down at the piano, and these, like, I just play a little riff, and then just slowly what's in my heart just comes out in this creative form, and... You know, if it feels like, oh, that, I don't know, that sounded kind of cool or that's what I really want to say, then I'll write it down or, yeah. or just put it on a voice memo. And Sounds, yeah, like, life, sounds like life in some ways <laughs> inspires you to write what, yeah, what you're experiencing yourself. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like all of them are just from, yeah, just real places, real desires, thoughts, yeah. Now you're a teacher, is that right? School teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you teach? Yep. So I teach religion and drama currently, but yep. I have also taught like PE and mathematics. Is this a high um, school, primary well. school? Yeah, high school, yeah. Does teaching yep. and music mix well? <laughs> well, actually, in my very, very first year, I, I got landed with a load of um, prep to yep. grade six music and drama as well as my, some of my secondary stuff. And yep. um, mu- <laughs> honestly, music helped a lot then because I'd just pull out my guitar and I'd have the prep singing around these songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that definitely helped. But I think, I mean, I listen to music sometimes while I mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey. So maybe. Which one is your first love, teaching or music? Or is that an unfair oh. question? <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't, you can't make me decide between those. So, like, so you love them both? You, you love them both? <laughs> well, it's like asking, do I love Jesus or God the Father more? Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I, I think I get that. Hey, you just got married a year and a half or so ago. Is your husband into music yes. too? No. He's, unfortunately, he isn't. And we have actually the opposite listening music styles. Ah. <laughs> so, but, do I dare ask what he okay. listens to? <laughs> he listens more to he actually loves no lyrics yep. and like a good little like a good like rhythm and stuff. Whereas oh, okay. I I like I only really listen to songs because of the lyrics. Oh, <laughs> like okay. I just love the words. Do you hear stories about how your music has helped people in their walk with Jesus at all sometimes? Yeah. Those are actually some of the most encouraging messages I ever get. Um but yeah, sometimes people will randomly shoot me a text about um yeah, I heard this on the radio and I, like, had to pull over because I was just crying. Like, it really reached me and I was like, wow, like, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I feel so touched, like, yeah, really blessed to be a part of, like, any positive influence on anyone's life. Like, I, yeah. Now, you're young, so what do you think the future is for you? Music, teaching, both? How do you see it? 
To be honest, I've thought both for like a long time. I think it's good to keep music as a hobby. I think I do love having teaching as like kind of, it kind of keeps me grounded and engaged with like mm. on the ground. Because if you're kind of full-time music, I feel like, you, I don't know, there's like more pressure to like producing and producing, whereas I kind of like the spontaneity of, well, yeah. I just do teaching, but when, when I feel it, I really can get into music and stuff. Yeah, I'd hate, I'd hate for it to be fit feel forced but to be honest i'm loving music more and more and i feel like it'd be cool just to try it for a year maybe yeah yeah no well you've got you've got beautiful music and as i said it comes from the heart what what would you now you're still pretty young yourself but what would you say to any young person who's listening and thinking about writing and uh producing music what would your advice be to them my advice would be to get a really good mentor so someone else that you think um, maybe this in your life that also loves music that, that you feel like you could share your ideas with and, um, you know, they could give you honest feedback. I think mentorship's a really important part. Um, and, yeah, even getting up as much as you can, like, at your church and sharing your music. Do, do you ever come across people who don't like your music and then let you know, and how do you deal with that? <laughs> oh, the reason I ask that is I come across plenty of people who don't like my preaching, don't like my style of teaching, and you you got to learn to deal with it. Does that happen with musicians yes. too or not really? Um, no, I definitely – I've had a couple of people um, that stand out. Like once I was playing for this live, like, breakfast fundraiser thing, and, um, yeah, I was playing for like an hour. Yeah, and he came up to me and he's like, I can't stand your music. And I was like, oh, wow. How many songs have you written? And my last question, what's your favourite song? Oh, okay. Um, I think I've written, I don't know, maybe about 30 songs. Wow. Um, currently. And, yeah, I don't know. And, and probably I've probably written like 50 half songs that I'm still waiting to complete. <laughs> um, that's a little bit of a, a secret side note. But, um. Honestly, I think my favourite song is called Wool Over Your Eyes. Okay. Um, so I'll explain just real quick why it is. Yep. It's because I feel like this song isn't actually mine, Like, <laughs> which sounds strange, but I sat down at the piano, and this has never happened for a song for me, but I just pressed like audio like record on my iPhone, and then I, this song just came out in like six minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, like That's how boy. long the original recording is. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's the most dense, kind of lyrically like lyrical song that I've ever done and I just feel like and it feels like when I when I wrote all the words out after hearing back the recording it felt like it had an actual thought and pattern to it all but I just I really didn't know what I was doing (laughs) yeah yeah. well it almost almost seems like God's inspiring you you know when that sort of thing happens and it just flows yeah Um, yes, Lloyd, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey um, thank you, Anna. Um, if I wanted to mm. listen to your music, where would the best mm. place for me to go be? Yeah, awesome. Well, to be honest, anywhere, like Spotify or iTunes or Apple Music, um, you're welcome to visit my website, com, and you could order some CDs. I know that they're becoming old school, but, you know, they could really, you know, become vintage one day. And <laughs> like like the cool vinyl, again. you're saying, like the vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I'm totally, yeah, in, in most places. And you're welcome to just message me if you if you uh, forget that, and I can, um, yeah, head you in the right direction. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and, yeah. Yeah, actually, I've watched some of your stuff on YouTube, too. 
Oh, yes, all the ones you do. Yep, 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 all over the place. So, Well, Anna, thank you so much for your time. You're full of life. You're young. Your music is beautiful, and I just encourage you to keep writing. And while you're writing, we'll keep listening and we'll keep singing along with you. But you, keep oh, singing. Thank you so much, Lloyd. I will 100%. Yeah, I'll, I'm aiming to have some new music out end of this year, so keep, stay tuned. Yeah, okay. God bless. See you next time. Thanks, Lloyd. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Anna is young and she's a breath of fresh air. Totally. And I can honestly say I really like her music. Yeah, me too. Yeah, really, really nice music. And the fact that it comes from such a place of of God's love. Yeah, and she's got a gift. She's talented. In fact, I think we should listen to a song of Anna's after that. But before we do, we're about to do the Aussie Pastor live. Yep, let's give it a whack. One more time? One more time. We've got some messages through. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know what? I'm almost relieved when the messages come through. I'm so grateful. But if you want to send a message, a a question, or just a shout out, but I'd love a question. I love the questions, Hunty, as they come through. Yes, send us your questions. 0488. Double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepasta.com. Sure, I've got better rhythm than you on that. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> right in, let us know who's got the best rhythm. <laughs> I'd rather a question. Okay, fine. Send us your questions. One okay. more time. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or let's, info at aussiepasta.com. Yeah. Let's listen to Anna Beden singing Hope, Patience and Prayer. Lift your head, little one Lift your eyes to see the sun Lift your heart and burden soul Oh, rejoice in hope Lift your head
Beautiful music. Absolutely. Yeah. You were just saying you're convinced that all this good music comes from God. I reckon. Yeah, I think you might be right too. Just so beautiful, so ethereal, so heavenly. Truly, um, there are two um, young women who sing that I know on this radio station, Faith FM, Melissa Otto and Anna Beden. Very talented. Both, you know, I go through the music choosing what songs we're going to listen to and then you double check to make sure they're listenable because <laughs> I'm not always that reliable for that sort of thing. You do a great I, job. I have what I like. Yes. Uh, and and I do delete some of the songs on the list because I know we're never going to use it. I've never deleted one of Anna's or Melissa's songs. Go. I reckon we should try and get – so Melissa Otto, if you're listening, you're probably not, but Melissa if you are – <laughs> Otto. Otto. Yeah. That's a, that's a singing name, yes. That's a, that's a singing name. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, Hunty's going to call you. I will. I'll try and do an interview with you too. So I can hook it up. Uh, ask the Aussie pastor. It's time. I praise God. There are some questions. There's even a shout-out or two there. There's a shout-out. Hey, you're going to love this first question. <laughs> you're rushing me into this, <laughs> so you must be looking forward well, to it's it. it's a ripper of a question. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> Should Christians support government moves to rein in global warming? That's from Max. Okay, short answer. It's up to you. I don't. I, I don't think that the church or pastors or priests or whoever should be dictating to anybody what political level they should or shouldn't support. But if you want to, yeah, come on, uh, well, fire it at me. You're, you're part of the solution. Or you're part of the problem. I reckon. Well, if you ask me personally, do I think global warming is real? I know this will probably disappoint half the people who are listening. Yes, I do. I think Jesus makes it very clear that at the end of time, humankind will be destroying the world. And I think part of destroying the world is putting uh, uh, copious amounts of soot and smog and rubbish into the atmosphere. And that does change the weather. It does ruin the weather cycles and it probably does cause the world to warm. So I can live with that. I, I really can. And, and you and me have visited places where there's so much smog in the air you can barely mm. see in front of your face. Yeah, true. And, and you can't pump this sort of rubbish into the air and it doesn't have some sort of an impact on the environment. But whether or not you want to support government moves to clean up the environment through taxes or whatever, that really is a personal decision, mm-hmm. I believe, yep. and I don't think the church should be dictating to you either way, although I think the church can definitely preach and teach and advance the idea that we should be looking after this planet yep. because we are custodians of it, aren't we? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I actually do believe in global warming. I do believe we're heating the place up, and I do think we're headed for enormous trouble. But that's all biblical and prophetic, isn't it? True. Yeah, so there's my answer to that one. Hope right. that is suffice. It's a good one. All righty. Um, is the church pro or anti-vaccination? <laughs> Where do these questions come from? <laughs> um, wow. Again, um, whether or not you're vaccinated, whether it be for the flu or for COVID-19 or for measles or anything, I believe strongly that's your call. Really? Yeah. I don't think the church should 
dictate to people whether or not to take the COVID-19 vaccine. But there is no doubt that as a church, and I know this and I can say this as a pastor for the Adventist church, we advance good health and we advance good health practices. And we have actually, the Adventist Church has one of the largest medical ministries in the world, true, more hospitals true. and clinics than just about anybody else. That's so, yeah, true. we're yep. into good health. Me personally, yeah, I, I take the vaccines. I had the flu vaccine. I didn't get the flu. Hunty didn't have the flu vaccine. <laughs> he did get the flu. We've both true. actually taken the COVID-19, uh, the first jab. We've had our first jab. We do that because we want to get around. We got to get around in our work. We we see a lot of people, Hunty. I can see you busting well, to say something there. I I believe the whole herd immunity thing is going to be very important to Australia going forward. Yeah, but that's you personally. You're not going to get up the front and preach that. No, that's true. Well, you don't get up the front and preach anyway. I don't. <laughs> You're going to be very blessed and thankful for that. And I mean, the church doors are open to people who are pro or anti vaccination. This is not. Nothing to do with church membership or whether or not you're welcome at our church to worship. Because in our church, even our local church, auntie, there are people on both sides mm, of this yep, debate. Totally. Yeah, just because you and I go down one road doesn't mean our church members will. In fact, i got, man, i got family who are anti-vaccination. Really? We argue. But it's all good-natured and we love each other, but we do argue That's about right. it. That's right. Yeah. So my, my answer is, is the church pro or anti-vaccination? doesn't matter. We're pro-health. True. You're the one who makes those calls in your life, not the church. All right, this next question, I don't know if, you, if there's enough time on the planet to answer this one. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you believe the Bible teaches about an eternal hell? Short answer, no. Definitely yeah, not. I agree with that too. Yeah, no, it does not. And I will definitely, in the next month or so, open up that Bible study. But I can guarantee you There are you texts can... to talk about eternal hellfire. Not really. No. You can misconstrue it like that, but if you're going to look at what the Bible actually says about death, it's very clear, and there is no eternal hell. In fact, I'll go further, and as you say, I haven't got time to open this one up on the Bible, but the question, do you believe the Bible teaches about an eternal hell? No, 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 I do not. Me and me either. But the Bible is very clear in what happens to you after you die, and you're not going to heaven or hell. You sleep until Jesus comes. Yep. And when Jesus comes, you're resurrected either to the resurrection of life or the resurrection of the other death. death. And we'll talk about that. I, I promise you, listeners, in the not-too-distant future, we'll open that up. But no yep. subject brings more disrepute upon mm. the Christian church mm. than this one of a God who would put those who never decide to follow him into an eternal fire. It's not true. If that's plaguing you, if it's worrying you, get it out of your head. Don't worry about it. It's a theological, heretical apostasy. Oh, I love that. How that rolled off my <laughs> yeah, tongue. Very I well love that. So no eternal hell. Okay, I need to roll through these. Do you believe, sorry, does the Bible teach moderation or abstinence regarding alcohol? That one's worth another Bible study too, isn't it? For sure. People, some will, or, well, well, at a minimum it teaches abstinence. Does it? At a minimum. Well, let me say that again. At a minimum it teaches moderation. Yes, as a minimum. But I think, and I've got Bible study, and I've, I preach and teach this, that it doesn't just teach moderation. 
It teaches abstinence. I cannot, let me give you the short answer. Yep. I can't see how a Christian born again with Jesus in their heart. So I'm talking born again on fire with the Holy Spirit in a genuine walk with Jesus. I can't see how you could take an absence, uh, take a, a, a substance that number one, threatens your ability to fight evil. Cause the moment you take alcohol, your mind is dulled. So, so why would you take any substance? Any drug, any alcohol for that matter, that'll take away your ability yep. to fight Brilliant. Uh, evil. And then the second thing is, man, alcohol's a deadly poison. This stuff, I remember when we had Ross Grant on a little while. Remember that, Dr. Ross Grant? Well, yes, in fact. Alcohol, it runs over your tongue, mm-hmm. it goes down your throat. As it, as it comes into contact with the cells uh, externally, the cells in your mouth and your throat and your stomach, mm. it is responsible, I was looking the other day, it's for seven different types of cancer. Yep. So why would you touch the stuff? It's dangerous, it's deadly, it causes road accidents. There's many people lying in their graves now because of alcohol. It's, oh, look, I, I, I am against, you can probably tell, I am big time against alcohol. So I'm an abstinence man. I believe that's what the Bible teaches, but I'm going to have to front up soon on this show yep. and prove it. I like that. I get that. But I'm with you. I have never had alcohol either. No, you haven't. Actually, you and me kind of have that in common, don't we? Do. we? We're teetotalists. That's it. Hey, um... We probably should get moving, but there's a, I've got a shout-out from Julie. Oh, okay, Hi, Lloyd. Lovely to hear you again. Been listening regularly for a few months now from Townsville. Julie from Townsville. You know what, Julie? We'll be in Townsville shortly. True. In fact, we're going to Northern Australia uh, to do the camp meetings for our church up there. We'll, and we, we might let the people know on this radio program when we'll yes. be up there. Yes. You can come and visit us. We'll be at Townsville one week. We'll be at Cairns another, we'll be at Mackay, and mate, we're doing a first up, because we've been to those three places, we're going to Darwin, I've never been to Darwin, and we'll be spending weekends. Yeah, I think it's like uh, the end of July, August or September sometime, but we'll let you know, we'll be up there, so thanks for the shout out, Julie, good mm. to hear from you. Mm. That's the end of the Aussie pasta, hunty. It's right. Yeah, aren't you glad for that? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to another song, and then we'll be back for our Bible study, Love Will Never Fail, by the Porter's Gate. Love is patient, love is kind It has no arrogance or pride It seeks the good of others first It keeps no record of wrong or hurt It finds no joy in
Bible study, Hunty. That's it. One of the shortest Bible studies in history, this. That's why we, we keep on the same subject for three or four weeks, because we don't have a lot of time. That's right. You remember the story? Yep. Lucifer's in heaven. He rebels against God. There's a war. He gets thrown out with a third of the angels. Yep. Amazing. Mm. What happens now? Well, da-da-da-da-da. This is it, man. This is it, yep. He comes to planet Earth. Yep. You find the story in Genesis chapter 3, one of the saddest stories in all the Bible. Let's look at it, Genesis 3. And if you've got your Bible, follow along with us. And if you don't have a Bible, you know you can go to Bible Gateway on your computer and on your either on your phone, and you can follow with us. Genesis 3, we're in the NLT, verse 1 only, hunty. Okay. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So here's the context. It's the end of the creation week. Well, we're not absolutely sure on that, actually. But it's new into the history of this world. Yep. God has just created Adam and Eve, and he put a tree in the garden, we're told. And he this was a test, yep. just a simple test yep. of who you're going to trust. And so Lucifer turns up in the form of a serpent. And he starts to talk to the woman. Now, Hunty, I'm going to ask you a question here, and we haven't run through this, and so I can see your face going a bit white and the nerves. <laughs> um, why should Eve have been onto this straight away that there's something going on here? Well, who God, talked to her? I mean, God gave her a warning. Yeah, God gave her a warning, but who's talking to her? A snake. Do snakes talk? You wouldn't think so. Well, I live on a farm. No, snakes don't talk here, no. And there's a lot of snakes out there, man. True. I've seen red belly blacks, I've seen death adders, and I've seen a very nasty brown snake. He came to an unfortunate end. Mm. Not from me, but from somebody else. But I've seen snakes everywhere out there. They don't talk. In the middle of COVID-19 last year, I went for a walk up the top of the hill from my place in a cemetery, sat down on a tombstone on the edge of it. I was being very respectful. And around the corner came a red belly black. He looked at me, I looked at him, and we both went the other way yep. rather quickly. But there was no conversation. Snakes don't talk, and she should have been onto it. He should have. Snakes don't talk. This is Lucifer coming as a shape shifter. Yep. yep. Demon shape shift. In other words, they can come to us in many different forms. He comes in the form of a serpent because a serpent was the most beautiful of all animals. What happens, Hunty? Um, of course, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. She's dialoguing. She's talking, mm. man. Yeah. Yep. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. She's dialoguing with the serpent. Don't talk to Satan. Don't dialogue. Don't converse with him. If he turns up, run, run, run. She should have run. Should have run. But she talks. Yep. And the moment she talked, the human race is in trouble. Yep. What happens? Verse 4. The snake said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Hmm. Is Satan lying there, or is he telling the truth? Lies, lies, lies. Any truth in that? Not a scrap. I love doing that on radio. <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> well, there's a lie in there, so you're right. Satan said you won't die. God said if you eat of this tree, it's a test. I put the tree in the garden. Don't eat of it. If you eat of it, you're going to die. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, so, and Eve says, well, that's what God said. And the serpent says, well, you won't die. He's lying. Correct. That's a straight, bold-faced lie. Yep. Satan will lie, but he mixes, he mixes lies with truth. Can you pick the truth up there in verse 5? 
God knows that your eyes will be opened. opened. Is that the truth? No. Yes, it is. Love that. Ooh. As soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing what? Both good, good and, and evil. evil. Were her eyes open? Was she able to tell the difference between good and evil after she ate of the fruit? Resoundingly, yes. So it's the truth couched with a lie. And what happens, verse 6? And this is, I reckon, Hunty, the saddest verse in all the Bible. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Hey, isn't temptation always like that? Unfortunately. Have you ever been tempted and it wasn't beautiful? Yep. Yes, yep. you have or no, you haven't. I've been tempted and it's not been beautiful. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Hunty and I have a, a connection <laughs> issue here. <laughs> have you ever been tempted and the temptation wasn't beautiful, wasn't seductive, wasn't attractive? Oh, of course, I'm only tempted by things that are attractive, there. but I was referring to what happens later. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You and yeah. me like crossing wires. You do. Yeah. We're good at that, actually, aren't we? Specialty. But the fact is the temptation was seductive. Delicious. It was beautiful. Yep. And it looked delicious, and so she ate it. So what did she do? Uh, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that uh, moment, uh, uh, bang, bang, bingo, yep, kaboom! The human race joins the rebellion. Yep. So it's not just a third of the angels now; it's the human race. And then what happens? And this is where we start our Bible study next week. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Whenever you sin, whenever you get in with Satan, you're going to feel shamed, you're going to feel naked. But you know there's good news in this story because next week we're going to see almost instantly God sent a rescuer.
dear Father, we are mightily caught up in this great battle between Lucifer and Jesus and us. Our parents fell and we are falling with them. But we take hope today, Lord, because there is a rescuer. There is a saviour and his name is Jesus. And we put our hope in him. In his name, Jesus. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman and I am the Aussie pastor and I do love you. But Jesus, our great rescuer, he loves you a whole lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 